Lightning Strikes Thrice as part of the Pitch Drop Podcast Network, please check out our Patreon page and consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a Final Fantasy 13 series game club podcast. This is episode 5, covering the Sunleth Waterscape Adventures in episode 3 of Final Fantasy 13 2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is. Mad Marcus. Graham Marcuson. Autumn fake last name. So, last episode, we, uh, we fought Caius in a werebutt. We did some stuff in the Yachas Massif, and we wound up in the Void Beyond, where we took a little break and learned that we should just do it our fucking selves, I guess. And then we went through a, a gate, heading toward Sunleth Waterscape, 300 as fuck. with Waterscape, and they see a march of flams. Their numbers are growing bigger and bigger as more of them seem to be materializing ad infinitum. As they watch the uh, flans move along, Sarah gets possessed by Yule and has a strange headache and sees a vision of snow about to be killed. She panics and then runs off. The player then gets to control Noel to chase after her. Noel catches up to Sarah, who is also with snow, and they are fighting a humongous flan, and Snow is being overwhelmed by the flan's attacks. I misremembered how big this flan was. He's huge. Like, it's it's way bigger than anything you fought in Final Fantasy Thirteen. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. You also get a peek at Snow's chocobo hair, and it's, like, it's <laughs> stupid. I think we already it's, mentioned it, but it's really dumb. It's real silly. Yeah, it's like this, like, feathered, slicked back thing, and... By the way, this giant flan, its name is His Royal Ripeness. No, it's the best. Oh, it's so good. And the thing is, you think it'd be the flan, but also you look at Snow's coat and like that shit is dingy as fuck and torn up. So like it could also be Snow. He could also be right. Also, you, <laughs> you see that Snow still has his brand? Yep. And that comes up later because uh, they forgot brands were a thing until they remembered brands were a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plot magic. Yep, yep. So we get into a fight with his royal ripeness. Yeah, despite his size, the royal ripeness is not that hard. His party-wide physical attacks aren't minuscule, but they don't do a lot of damage either. He is capable of healing himself and does so at regular intervals, but if you are leveled up enough, this guy's not going to be a problem, because other than poison, he doesn't really have any tricks, does he? No. He doesn't, but that if you're leveled up enough... Is actually an important caveat, because if you're like me, 
what you do at this point is, you, you know, you've just finished chapter two. You see that you've got two nodes to go to, and you say, okay, well, I'm going to poke my head into each of these. So you poke your head into the first one. Oh, um, yeah. You know, you're just in, like, an area, and then you're like, okay. So you go back to the Historia Crux, and you think, okay, I'm going to poke my head into the other node. If you poke your head into the other node, Sarah immediately runs off, and you are unable to leave. You can't go back to, to the Crux Historia until you catch up with her and fight this boss. And mm-hmm. if you're fighting this boss directly after beating Chapter 2, it's doable, but it's going to take you 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole time, you're going to be listening to uh, an amazing song. Yeah. It's a new metal song, basically. It's, it sounds like Power Man 5000. And even though it's like really cheesy, I really like it. It's really funny. I listened to the Power Man 5000, Tonight the Stars Revolt, a whole lot in middle school. Right. And like immediately I started getting flashbacks to that. It's it's real over the top. It's it's out of control. <laughs> and this isn't even the Power Man fi- the, the Final Fantasy Power Man 5000 like tiff that happened. Yep, yep, there was a lawsuit, which is I don't think there was uh, a lawsuit. I think they just got angry about it. No, I think there was a... Well, I'll I'll go look it up. I remember somebody mentioned it, and I went and looked it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I think there might have been an actual lawsuit. Why is that the steez you want to bite? Like, I don't know, it's funny. Fucking... When when it's legally actionable, I find it amusing. That that, that (laughs) song they were angry about from Final Fantasy XIV rules, too, by the way. Yep. Yeah, and we'll we'll hear more from this uh, uh, singer. His name's uh, Shooty HG, but uh, yeah, he's definitely very much doing a Spider One impression this entire time. Uh, and yes, I know. all of the like just <laughs> the extremely name. cheesy vocal songs in this game are like my favorite thing. Just inject them directly into me. Why did you know that, Matt? Because I listened <laughs> to the album, and he's also uh, I believe he is Rob Zombie's cousin. Why do you know that? Or brother? He's a little brother. <laughs> I thought he was like little brother. Power oh no, it like might be his little brother. One was like his little brother. I think he's his little brother. I think you're right. So, because <laughs> I I know way too much about the Power Man Five Thousand. Okay. Anyway, the power uh, a, and his man's. There's this uh, funny line in this battle. Uh, Noel says that this jelly bean is ticking me off, which I wrote down because it was funny. And then uh, when you kill it, well, when, supposedly when you finish this battle, he bursts into a ton of little flans again. Which is really funny. Yeah, the uh, just as the uh, the round ends, you get a nice shot of like the flans falling towards the camera. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think these like you know the the bell pepper flans I thought were already a pretty fun design, but when they're these tiny little cute guys, uh, it's even better. And then it turns into this monstrosity. Like, uh, it's it's really good. All of this, the flavor wise, is really good. Well, we beat him, and then he reforms again. And then as a group, we, we run away. Uh, we run away and we uh, talk about the world ripeness and what he means for the fall of Cocoon. We, we sort of learn that this thing is uh, eating away at the pillar of crystal that Fang and Vanille turned into at the end of Final Fantasy XIII. Mm-hmm. And if it has its way, it will eventually 
eat away the crystal entirely and Cocoon will collapse. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Snow is here to prevent that. Don't ask Mm -hmm. how. Right. And I'm a little confused by this because Sunlith Waterscape is on Cocoon, right? So, like, Sunlith Waterscape, you walk through it in Chapter 6 of the last game. Mm. Yeah, it's not it's on cocoon, yeah. but like it can also be what? like on the pillar. Oh, like it's upside down yeah. if you think about it. The cocoon is still right side up because you see the crack in the top, which is where it's been. But yeah, you're right. You do it is in cocoon because that's that fucking where you fight the Jabberwocky guy. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't. I guess like you weaken the pillar in the and at the top, and it would just kind of make the whole thing unstable yeah, i guess it, would, glass. it doesn't matter where you like if you eat away at the pillar until it collapses like it doesn't matter where you're eating away at it exactly like right the, the top is as good as, as good at the bottom in terms of my point was this wasn't like the load-bearing section of it necessarily so i was a little right. confused about that but anyway we can move on like sure. the one well, thing because what, what they say is not even that it's like cocoon falling that causes the problems what, what they say is that Mm-hmm. The the weakening of the pillar causes tremors, and the tremors cause everybody to panic, and then panic everybody the panics, war, and yeah. then starts to fight each other, and then those wars caused by indirectly by the tremors are what ultimately lead to like the collapse of everything. Yeah, it's a little confusing, but uh, yeah, yeah, and I think uh, the the music they're playing is the Sunlith Waterscape track from Thirteen as well. So that's why I was thinking back. The area is labeled Sunlit Waterscape, like it's supposed to be the same place. Yeah, it's uh, supposed to be the same place. It's the same design and everything. But it, it looks very different because you're not like on a coastal area with like a big, you know, the big ocean or lake or whatever on the side. Like you're up, at, this is very like green foresty, you know, you're up in the vines kind of, uh, you know, in the in the tree canopies kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I found myself getting a little bit confused about like what is on Pulse and what is on Cocoon, because, like, mm-hmm. when you start the game in New Bodom, like, it, it is New Bodom, like, they explicitly set out that this is, like, a new settlement that they established on Pulse after they mm-hmm. left Cocoon, but also, it's the same exact house. They they remade the same building, yep. like, one-to-one. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think literally... It's very strange. I think literally every location except for New Bodom is on Cocoon that we've seen so far, and that we've seen for a while after this, too. Right, because like Augusta Towers, you know, was built by the Academy. Like that's the Academy's on Cocoon. No, the Academy's on Pulse. Pulse. But they're they're hanging out in the. Oh no, at the Padra. Yeah, if they're at the Padra ruins. No, I thought I thought the Academy City is on Pulse. But then, like, since they're at the Padra ruins, that is definitely on or that's on Pulse. Academy, the city's on Cocoon. No, that's that's the uh, that's the big city area in a. Where you fought a billion goblins in a mm. pulse? Yeah, yeah. You remember there's that area where you go out right. into a plaza and like you can see like some knocked over skyscrapers. That's the Padra ruins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where you fight Vercingetorix. Gotcha. So New Bodom and Padra are on pulse. Everything else I think is on Cuckoo. Anyway, we can keep going. Yeah. In the conversation, Snow mentions he saw lightning in his dreams, much like Sarah did. Yeah. What they establish here is that. Uh... At this point, we have seen, like, the flashback where Snow tells Sarah that he believes her lightning is out there, and he leaves to go find her, and then immediately vanishes and never comes back. Right. And what he reveals is that the reason he vanished and never came back is because he saw lightning in his dreams and then somehow figured out that there were time problems and also that he could time travel? Yeah, they don't explain how he travels through time at all. It's kind of confusing. He, he just can do that, I guess. I Well... 
this is explicitly like different snow that we find out at the end. Like this isn't like snow from oh, really? timeline snow. Spoiler. Yeah, spoilers for forty minutes from now. <laughs> no, I thought they. I played past this and I didn't even catch that. But it's yeah, uh, the, I didn't the, catch that either. The uh, the funny thing is uh, the first thing he says to to Sarah is like, oh, by the way, the marriage is on hold, and Sarah is shook. <laughs> Like, he just, you know, we already talked about how he's like, okay, I'm leaving town to find your hot sister, hold my engagement ring. And then he's like, oh, yeah, good to see you after like three years. By the way, we're not getting married right now. But Snow had only been gone for a year, which meant they had two years to get married. What (laughs) took you so long? You know what? You got to find the venue. You have to plan like years in advance to get a good venue. Let me tell you. The (laughs) Snow-Sarah relationship or kind of lack thereof is maybe the weirdest thing about this whole sequence to me. Uh, uh, absolutely. I really don't know what to make of it. Like, cause it seems like that would be like a big deal. Like the two important relationships Sarah had in final fantasy 13, one were snow and lightning and mm. lightning is obviously, you know, this and is her love like, this is lightning is missing. She is going out and solving geography quizzes to find mm. lightning, but snow yeah. just kind of like is here in this section and like, it seems weird the lack of desire to explore that relationship we see. Right, right. And like, there's a whole bit where like, she's like, he makes me so mad. I'm gonna marry him anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's straight people. Uh, I know, right? That's what you do. You get married when you like to fight with someone else because you only get married. So you have the two new nuclear options of throwing a ring and saying, I want a divorce. <laughs> that's worth, uh, you know, the tens of thousands of dollars all of that cost. who spends them you know never never mind it's not like two thousand dollars <laughs> well, wedding and then on the divorce we spent two thousand dollars on everything jeez uh, wow i mean like good for you that that was the smart thing that's not what we did yeah so like yeah early on this this interaction i expected this to be way more emotionally momentous they completely bypass it and then at the end of this chapter they try to sell it like it, there's a big emotional thing and it just doesn't quite land so yeah player's mission is to follow the flan and find artifacts to you know get rid of the flan weaken it do something you know we're trying to get rid of paradoxes etc the player can refight the royal rightness if you so choose but that's a terrible idea you're gonna lose there are these little areas you can swing on vines to get around and at some point you see like little invisible enemies kind of floating around blocking your path and you can use mog to reveal them and that's weird i don't know why that's there that's like a thing in the optional version of this area is the main deal. You would just run around gotcha. finding them. So Autumn, here's a question for you. Since you're also playing the busted version of the game, 
because I have a very, very fast CPU and the physics are CPU driven, Sarah would let go of the vine to grab the other one and then just plummet to her death <laughs> and then teleport to huh. the next teleport to the net where she was supposed to wind up. It's I... very funny. Sarah's just like, fuck this, I'm out. So wait, hold on. Is it not supposed to like do the weird? Because like the, the camera movement on this seemed really weird to me because it was like Sarah would jump onto the vine. The ki- and then, like, zoom in. No, you're. she's supposed to grab the uh, other one, not just the camera zoom. I think she's supposed mm-hmm. to be in it. Okay, that is that is super weird. Like, because I, I thought, well, the way it seemed to me, like, it seemed like they just didn't want to animate her grabbing the vine. It seemed like she jumped onto the vine, then the camera just zoomed to the end, and she just kind of appeared there. No, my CPU is fast enough that I watch her fall off the screen. It's very Can funny. you record some of that and uh, we put it up on YouTube? I would love to put that in the show notes. That sounds really good. Probably. I I can, but I probably won't because I mean. Chris. So the crystal artifacts that Sarah and the others find are said to be the same substance that Sarah was encased in when when she was in the crystal, okay, she turned into crystal, are said to be the same substance that Sarah was made out of when she was crystal. Sarah talks about what it was like to be a crystal. She says she dreamed a lot about things turning out for the good. Who cares? I kind of like this moment. I don't know, like, some just tying in with, like, the first game and what she went through since she wasn't really a character in the first game. She it, was sleeping! Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, I was curious, what is it like to be crystal? Do it's you like, refer to sleeping as a thing you went through? I mean, you know, once a day, roughly. Sometimes. Yeah, but, like, it's... I mean, like, they don't explain... The last game, you had um, Fang and Vanille come out of Crystal Stasis, and they never talked about what that experience was like being... Boy, did they come out of Crystal Stasis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Vanille more than others. Vanille... Mm, Oh, yeah, we we don't get a lovingly rendered shot of uh, Sarah's butt, do we? Really came out of that stasis. Mm. Maybe we did in the first game, I never finished it. No, no, you don't see her leave Crystal Stasis, and uh, I think the game is better for it. Don't call me crazy. Uh, at least she's 19 now. Anyway, like... <laughs> so. Alright. So we come across a valley that we can't get across. Uh, Snow calls the attention of a large jungle beast. Uh, it's like this big, shambling uh, uh, turtle thing, almost. Uh, yeah, it's he... uh, one of the uh, the monsters we fought. It's a boss. Yeah, the Jabberwocky. Or, or yeah. the Jabberwocky. On Leal. Yeah. Bandersnatch. And Snow just goes and he jumps on the thing's back. Nolan's like, uh, pretty upset about this. He's like, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, Noel yelling at Snow for being a hero here, uh, and being reckless and not caring. Mm-hmm. How he hurts the people who cares about him when he, etc. It's, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of the stuff that Hope hit with Snow last game, uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, Snow uh, in a lot of ways has kind of reverted somewhat. I yeah. guess, I guess that matters in terms of, like, what Chris said earlier about this may not be the same snow from the last game but yeah he definitely reads as like a re- he regressed to his previous shenanigans yeah uh it's pretty surprising or not surprising but it is disappointing that they just go with that like they just regress him because mm-hmm. he had no other interest well i mean like in terms of his arc like how many other qualities did he have he's heroic and foolish and then he becomes turns into heroic and somewhat cautious and a little bit more introspective, and that's kind of it. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of a sequel thing, right? Like, it's one of the pitfalls of sequels is, you know, in the first one, your character, like, had their arc and sort of, you know, uh, self-actualized, and, you know, they had a journey from point A to point B, 
Uh, and then in the sequel, like, you need to come up with something to do with them. And sometimes the answer is, let's just kind of have them regress back to point A so we can get them to point B again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so while, while you're running across this beast, you kind of stop halfway. Uh, you see that there are a bunch of treasure chests floating around. And you're just like, oh, we got to get those treasure chests. But we can't reach them. What do we do? And what you do is uh, you develop a new ability called the Mog Toss, where you uh, grab onto Mog. He uh, flails and protests and begs you not to throw him. And then you throw him. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. Okay. So I just had a realization that this cutscene explicitly makes it clear that these treasures fear these are like everyone knows they're there. It's not just a game thing. Yeah, no, that makes this even like that is weird. Who puts them there? It has dire implications for your ability to live, like getting telefragged quick style. Because remember in a thirteen when it just magically teleported into Hope's living room? What happens right. when it magically teleports into your body? Uh you become part sphere, part potion. Or whatever the hell's in it. Uh, something I discovered a little bit later in this area, like when I had trouble getting Mog's AI to cooperate and go to the right place so I could reveal a vine, uh, is that uh, if Mog's AI won't cooperate and you need him to go to the place to reveal a thing, you can just tap the Mog Toss button and you'll call him to you. Wait, 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 no. guys, guys, I just realized. Remember how, like, the save points in the first game were, like, Amazon style kiosks where you can order things to be delivered. They had to be delivered by these spheres. That has to be how it works, right? That's what they were like. The the the, uh, the Amazon drone like broke down exactly. and dropped its payload, and that's what these are. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's as diegetic it's going to get. During this scene, Noel asks Snow, "How have you survived this long?" Which is something that everyone should be asking him every second. Yep. Okay, moving on. After that scene, Snow actually looks at Mog, because Mog's a toy, right? And the conversation leads into what a theme park is. And I'm thinking, don't tell me that in the future you don't have some haunted theme parks to, like, walk around in and get spooked by. They definitely dunk on him about it. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, and also, like, their definition of what a theme park is is really weird. It's like... It's a place where you go to have fun, and there's it's rides. A, it's a recreational area with a theme. It is a park yes. with a theme. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and you're talking to the guy who's only other, like, human he ever knew with his grandmother, and, uh... Hmm. His grandmother, like, Caius. weird, oh, weird Caius. Jack Caius. Sparrow, like and, like, the fucking gross, like, time fuck puppet. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, you looks and, like a real doll. And, and I think I think he mentions knowing some like time sage who taught him about the portals too. So that's like five people. Yeah, so like I I can imagine like no one's no one's manning that Superman ride. So I don't know who would be. Yeah, so you can just ride it whenever you want. It's just open. Ah, There's no lines. Yeah, the Joker is way better than the Superman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so after tracking down all the artifacts in this area. Sarah and Noel head towards the gate. Unfortunately, Snow can't come with them. Uh, we didn't mention this, but, you you know, you you have Snow in your party. You basically have four people, which is fun. You get a little bit of extra You can't you know, control GPS. Snow, but he's no, he there can. fighting with you. Yeah, he's just punching things, you know, as he does. You literally and figuratively can't control Snow? <laughs> yes. 
He has nope. he has no no rules, no authority, no obligations. Yeah, he has no obligations. Uh, oh, I know you're excited about that, Matt. I, <laughs> Cut that out. Uh, <laughs> You, you keep saying that as if it's like the magic words that I have to now keep yep. it in. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I look forward to the outtakes of just me yelling, cut that out for 10 minutes. <laughs> Actually, I should probably just do that. Like string them all together. Okay. Sarah must say bye to Snow, but she makes a promise that he will not get into any heroics. And uh, well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and we go through the gate to the Arcolite step year unknown. Sarah arrive to an overgrown field of plains that is covered with dusty winds. They see a group of hunters riding chocobos after some game. Uh, they discover that they're just fucking chasing some puas trying to put, put on some game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was worried just, that if Chris was going to read that, that's what would, what would happen. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> they discover the hunter's camp and uh, they're apparently struggling to find hunts. You do two missions here, one to hunt some goblins and uh, another to catch the large sheep in the field to get different kinds of wool, which I hated. Yeah, no, the sheep thing was a little was a little weird. But uh, in that fight with the goblins, you also get to fight a chocobo, which is one of the few times in the series that you fought a chocobo and you end up recruiting it. So now you have a new commando that is a chocobo. Which is pretty rad. How I, I, I started using the Chocobo right away, in part because I vaguely remember like hearing people talk about this game and saying that the Chocobo is actually like a really good monster. Well, yeah, but it depends on which one you get, right? Uh, there's, there's a bunch of them. There's different colors. Yeah. One of my favorite lines in all of video games is a huntress near the entrance of the encampment. She says something like, the sheep are so fluffy, I can't stand it. They are downright adorable. But when she says it, she sounds kind of angry about it. Like, it's not fair that they're adorable. Mm-hmm. I'm angry about it, too. Yeah. I'm mad about sheep. Yes, you are. You guys saw the red cactuar uh, statue out in the field, yeah? Yeah. I, I was that... very emotionally distraught because I touched it and I got free CP, which I liked. But then I had to walk back there, which I hated. Right, because it warps you back to town. I, I saw it. I, it didn't seem like I could interact with it in any way. They're seasonally locked. Oh. Right. So, like, basically, I touched it, I got some unlock points, and then it warped me back to town, so, like, you don't have to run all the way back. Also, some of the designs of the characters, the, these nomadic hunters, is a little iffy, but then again, you know, you know that's that's Final Fantasy.txt. Yeah, Final Fantasy plus, like, we're you know, trying to, like, portray a tribe of, like, nomadic hunter-gatherers. Eh, yeah, and, know, like, gonna, this is, like, some time in the... This is considered sometime in like the far flung future as well, so like it's it's a little 
you know, returning back to a more primitive era kind of a thing. Uh, it's not it's great. a post post apocalypse. Yeah, it's a yeah, exactly. You learn that there is a dragon-like creature called Fyril who is eating up plants at a prestigious rate. The nomad chief gives you reins to the weather machine. You need to create the correct weather conditions to make the boss show up and be able to fight him. One setting has a boss present, but has a long gui in the way. A hunter at the gate tells you that they are afraid of lightning. If you think to yourself, maybe I can just kill the long gui and not have to worry about this, no, you can't. Nope. 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 Mr. Big Stompy Boy is going to stomp you. There's a summary theme in here called the Archelite Step. It's not the same theme from the first Final Fantasy thirteen game, but it's a really good poppy jam. Yep, just continuing the theme that the uh, the music is going on. Uh, and guys, I think we, uh, you know, buried the lead here because this guy, his mouth is a time rift. He is uh-huh. swallowing tons of flan and they're all getting sent to Sunlit 300 AF. No, yeah, he's like fucking hungry, hungry hippo eating all these plans. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's okay. fucking so good. So, okay, w- if, imagine, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm thinking, like, the reason he's swallowing all these flan is because his mouth is a time rift, so, like, he's not getting, like, he's fucking hungry, right? Because, like, he doesn't right, get to eat right. anything. Every time he tries to eat something, it goes back in time. That's true. Think about this. You, all the cutscenes of, like, you free-floating and, like, swimming through space with that, like, glowing yellow <laughs> background. Imagine just, just thousands of flan flying through space. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like this is this is the the goofy shit I'm here for. I I like and it a lot. Actually, that's when you have like when they do that cutscene, like leading into like. Actually, no, yeah, when they do that cutscene after you leave for the Archlight set, there should absolutely be a ton of flan just floating in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, fucking fuck. You fight the boss, Matt. Tell me about the boss, please. Or did you already tell us about the boss and I wasn't listening? We haven't talked about it. The boss, his name is Feral, and he's a big dragon-like creature. He has several large AoE attacks, one of them called Megaton Charge. And uh, it just, it's a pretty straightforward fight. I mean, the key is really to have a couple good paradigms that have Sentinel in it. Uh, For me, I had the Pulsework Soldier with a Sentinel, and that made this fight like really manageable because I didn't have to stop to heal very often so i had a sub 60 second time on this fight oh that's even i started me. in gorilla which is uh sab ravager sentinel cast all the aga buffs swapped into relentless assault until i got a stagger and i switched into aggression which is two comms and a ravager and we won it immediately never healed like took 56 seconds wow yeah see it took a couple of minutes uh once i you know, switched out my paradigms, but it still was a pretty manageable fight. I think it was only like one, maybe two staggers, and the staggers were pretty fast. You get so much CP, though. You get 3,500. I was yep. so excited. Yep. You, you level up a whole lot. So you fight him, and you stop the time rift. Yeah. There's a lot of good Sentinel like action in this game, I think. At least I'm using Sentinels more often than last game. Yeah, yes. And you might... I definitely find myself uh, wanting to have like a, a Sen Sen loadout in my party so that I can swap to that, even just for the like passive damage resistance. Well, when we beat the Feral, we go into the gate and uh, we go to the Colosseum in the question, question, question AF. We go there. The Arbiter of Time just says some edgelord shit, gives us a fragment 
and we get some free CP, and then we leave again. Uh, the Coliseum is mostly here, for, like, for post-game super bosses, and I guess there's some, like, narr- d- weird DLC that comes in here, too. Yeah. I think you fight Ultros in here at some point in the DLC. Yeah, mm. there are a whole bunch of, you know, super bosses fights, including Ultros, and, well, I don't want to spoil it, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing that really sucks, though, when you first get here is that it's one of those sections where you're forced to walk, and those are always the worst. Because yeah, he's just like trying to go somewhere and just won't fucking let you. And uh, basically, the arbiter talk just says, "Here's a rock. Have fun. Fuck off." Yeah, there's a weird like he come you you come in and he's like the arbiter time was like this weird invisible ghost man and he's really angry because like living things from within time are here in his space out of time. Mm-hmm. And he also says like, oh, this is, "There was already a thing out of time in here, and you're making it even worse." I'm really angry at you. And Noel's just like, oh, you have a thing out of time. That must be a relic. Why don't you just give us that and we'll leave. And he's like, he doesn't even yeah. say anything. He just like disappears Fair. and leaves you the relic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a couple items you can like throw Mog towards, but they're not really notable. Uh, there, there's one item, I think, and it is the, uh, at least there was one I saw, which was the map to the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. Uh, which they- you don't need because it is literally just a <laughs> big circle. Oh, yeah. The, there's an so item like right. lost. There, there is an item like right next to you when you first show up. That's the map. But yeah, there are two items floating off in the distance, and basically that means that like this mock throw thing means I am always checking the like outer edges of all of these areas just to see if I can throw mog towards there because uh, that's which can be kind of obnoxious, but at the same time like it's doing something more with the environments that wasn't happening in thirteen. But also, like, Mog Throw, just in general, is great because I don't have to run across a map or try to do a an annoying puzzle for uh, for the geometry, especially in, like, the Augusta Tower. I can just skip areas and just toss Mog at the item. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it for the Coliseum. Oh, yeah, and Sarah says something like, I can't believe that worked, which is, like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, pretty it good. Is, it is a little like the way no like approaches diplomacy is like, if I recall correctly, he takes this like really bombastic tone. Like it just felt really weird. Like the, the entire interaction with the Arbiter here felt really strange and off to me. Like I understand that the Arbiter is not human, but like nobody feels like they're acting like a person in this scene. Mm-hmm. You mean the part where you talk to a weird edgelord ghost was unrealistic? <laughs> yes. I mean, I talk to weird edgelords ghosts all the time, and it doesn't go. It does not play out like that. They are look. They're goths, and they're people with feelings. <laughs> yeah, and they are way stingier with their artifacts. Oh my god. Mm. Okay, so we go back to the sunlit waterscape, and now we can finally. Uh, now that we have solved the paradox in the archlight step, uh, do you even need to do the Colosseum to weaken this guy enough to fight him? Yeah. Yeah, you you, you need that artifact to get out. Ah, uh, okay. I'm pretty certain. Uh. So yeah, you return to the South Waterscape, and because we uh, killed Will Ferrell back on the Archlight Step, the flan is no longer being fed by infinite smaller flans, so it has been weakened enough that you can actually fight it. He is no longer uh, the Royal Ripeness, he is now the Mutant Tomato. It's his Royal Ripeness, you show some fucking respect. <laughs> Don't gender the flan. It's in the menu! <laughs> it is in the menu. <laughs> I know, I, that's that's the joke. So yeah, you fight him, he's not that different from his royal repness. Uh, his poison attacks are a little stronger, but I think his like, big just like AoE swipes don't wipe you out, 
as quickly, uh, and he has a lot less HP. And the nice thing about them is that they're multi-hit, which means you get way more out of, like, sentinel damage reduction for it. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, you fight him again, and you kill him. Yeah. With the mutant tomato defeated, Snow disappears from this timeline. Is this a point where we find out that Snow is, like, a different version of Snow? Yeah, so... This is where Snow gets all ghosty, and he says he's going back to the correct timeline, which means he's a paradox in this timeline. He's not from here. So this is like weird alt-future Snow. Uh, uh, Sarah treats it like he's fucking dying. Yes, I have that I have that note here. <laughs> I have it like, yeah, oh, Snow is I'm plot like, dying. <laughs> yeah, and then Sarah finally calls out the brand, and but... Uh, and, you know, like, no resolution is branded to that. Apparently, Snow volunteered to become a Lassie, and then some. they say some other shit that I wasn't paying attention to because I was checking my phone. Yeah, no, they they don't really explain it. They just kind of... I thought it was just that she never, like, she never realized that he had the brand before, because even after he, you know, the end of the last game, he would still have a brand. No, because they all disappear, right? They all got, they all disappeared, like... Yeah. Really? I thought they, like, turned white or whatever, like, they... they tri- yeah, like... Yeah. They got, they got all fucked up like fangs. But yeah, his yeah. is like explicitly like yeah, black, and you can see like, the okay. eye. I yeah. think I think it's it's just a case of like because so much was going on up to that point, she never actually like stopped and took a good look uh, at like a part of snow where she could see the brand, and like she can just kind of like she doesn't like she sees it and it finally registers as he's disappearing, basically. I have been sniffing this chopstick for three hours and. It's my it's my coffee stirring chopstick, and it smells like creamer, and I think you can get high from it. We're leaving that one in, right? It's making me real hungry. Cut that out! <laughs> Sarah and Noel find another time gate and proceed through to a familiar place, the Void Beyond, Mysterious AF. Sarah and Noel return to the Void Beyond, and we take another break... They have, like, this fucking... They're talking to each other about their motivation, and the entire time you just see and hear a treasure sphere in the cutscene. <laughs> oh my god, it's horrible. Yes. Oh, yes. man. And, and you can, it's really dumb, and I was mad about it, and then I chucked Mog off a cliff because I was mad about it, and it takes him, like, 45 seconds to come back. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh... That's, the, that's the end of the episode. How is character development? I think at this point I have kind of like I, I maxed out Commando for Sarah, and I think I'm more or less maxed out uh, Ravager for Noel. So I'm finally like, okay, I guess I should put more into leveling the roles these characters are actually supposed to fill instead of trying to do it backwards because I feel like it. I think at this point I've gotten a new medic. I think you, there's like a slug you find in the in Sunleth that yeah, yeah. does healing, and I think also there's another slug that I was using as a Ravager. And I had the Chocobo as my uh, commando. There are a lot of slugs. There's also a yep. commando slug. Yeah, I have the commando slug. It's the fire guy. Yeah, I think I 
I think I had the Commando Slug up until I got the Chocobo. I didn't use him very much, though. His HP is very low. He, he dies pretty quickly. Yeah. I did a Null Synergist through all the abilities, swapped to Sentinel to get all the ability, and then I'm back to Synergist because I didn't get Boon initially, but the buffs fall off incredibly fast without Boon. Mm-hmm. So I switched back, and I'll be working on that. I took an accessory bonus and a Sentinel bonus. Leveled Sarah to 50 Saboteur, picked up an accessory upgrade and a Sab bonus boost. I'll probably have her go Sentinel because uh, HP pull really low. Like, Noel's been in all of the role HP, so he's got like over 2k, but Sarah like 11 hundo. I made Noel a medic, and Sarah and Noel are, I think, at 4 or 5 ATB pieces now. I switched in a Chocobo for my Commando, but other than that, nothing really has changed in terms of my party layout. I think that most of my roles on Noel and Sarah are at about level 30 now. Some things like Sentinel are neglected a bit. That's pretty much it. Yeah, at this point, I was still uh, grinding out, catching up with um, Ravenger for Sarah and Commando for Noel. I swapped out Kate Sith completely and replaced it with that Sentinel Pulsework Soldier. Basically, I've been using um, either Sarah or Noel as either dual healers or like one being a Sentinel, one being the healer as my like recovery paradigm. But other than that, uh, pretty straightforward. I haven't really at this point touched secondary roles unless there was like, you know, an ability nearby and like medic for Noel that I wanted to grab. And I just had a couple extra points to do it. Other than that, let me... There was also, uh, oh shit. Yeah, I, I'm still getting ATB gauges. I think that was my bonuses. I got ATB gauges. So I, I think I'm up to five now. Luckily, they will repeatedly offer them to you until you take them. Yes, because you should. Uh, wrapping it up, does anyone have any closing thoughts? So I mentioned last week that because of dumb miscommunication reasons, I uh, I thought I had to power through like all of this in one sitting. And this was definitely the point where it was like, okay, I've played too much of this game. I need this to be over. And, you know, I, I kind of wish I had taken in a little more like i feel like i'm enough of the sun of waterscape but like when i went to the the as light step I, I just like or whatever it is i think i got the first part wrong uh but you know i just like powered through it i didn't even look for any side quests i was like okay i'm going to do like what i have to do here and get back and kill that dumb tomato as quickly as possible and i wish i had gotten to uh poke around there a little bit more because uh, it definitely seems like it's a big open area where there would be more stuff to do there's a lot there. It's very. There's a lot that happens there. Um, are you going to keep playing the game? Probably. I, I'm kind of got a few other things that I'm playing through, but it's like two or three things down my list of. Yeah, I think I will go back to this and keep playing uh, once I'm done. Like Bioshock Two. It's pretty. Yeah. Much better yeah. than the other one. Uh, there's just a whole lot more flavor here, and uh, you know, you got like the Mog Throw goofiness, and you just have the. The idea you have a giant fucking dragon swallowing tons of these little pepper flans that turn into a giant mega flan. I don't know. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's really Yeah, and also, like, as a, even though it is just, like, this game is kind of episodically structured and it's just, like, a boss of one episode, but, like, the idea of this fucking giant flan as a world-ending threat is so good. Weird. It's, like, it's such a, (laughs) it's such a strange thing to have as a major enemy in a Final Fantasy game. Oh my god, dude. Oh my god, the flans come back in the best possible way later. <laughs> oh boy. Like flans flans destroying the world continue to be a continues to That's be a great. plot point. I love it. Is Caius a flan? 
<laughs> he's just an animate oh flan. God, what if he was? Yeah, that'd be really good. No, he, he just replaced him with a flan model with those weird dead yellow eyes, but the same uh, voice. Uh, How many times must I witness <laughs> such? So he's like a ditto. <laughs> the reason that Yule keeps like getting reincarnated is because Yule's actually a flan. Oh my god. What if Yule was a flan? You know what? She would be, be exactly the same character. She would have exactly as <laughs> yeah. much personality. I don't think it would make much of a difference. Although I do like the idea of like land people evolving and becoming Caius and Yule. That seems funny. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Caius is just four <laughs> flans in a trench coat and a feather. I'd delete it. So what you're saying is that flans are going to be the uh, the fucking like little three arm leg robots from metal from Metal Gear. Yeah, Matt, where can the people get in touch with us? Uh, you can get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at Light X Thrice. Please, please follow us. Please like us. Do or you something. could pay us money and talk to us directly on Slack. Or you could do that. That's fun too. I'd take that first. I can abuse you in real time. You can listen to my other podcast on the network, Magmar Sucks. We're stack ranking Pokemon based on how interesting they are. Do you guys have plugs? I'm well, still doing that Let's Play of Final Fantasy VII New Threat, a gameplay mod for Final Fantasy VII. It is going pretty good, and I'm having a lot of fun. But I'm also getting to the point where like, the mod is really showing its uh, post-game content, which is a whole bunch of really difficult super bosses. So it's getting... Really interesting. That's a weird thing to add to Final Fantasy VII, which is already the only game. Uh, no, has- like it, it, it's pretty cool because I think they also um, nerfed the regular super bosses in that game so that they're more approachable and not like so over the top with their power level. Oh, you just open the fucking top of the PlayStation One. It's fine. <laughs> That's cheating, Chris. It's not cheating. The game is still in my system, and the game is still running, and I'm playing the game. What do you want from me? (laughs) Speedrun tactics. Yeah. Alright, so uh, I mentioned last time we are in pre-production for a new podcast for the network called The Dapper Dorks. Not sure if I'm going to be a regular co-host or an occasional co-host, but uh, I'll definitely be on there. Also, um, our former guest on the show, Justin, he's starting a Persona 4 podcast called Golden Pages Podcast, and uh, I'm going to probably be guesting on a couple episodes there as well, so look out for that. How about you, Autumn? I'm still uh, writing every now and then. Uh, you, you can find myself at uh, writesautumn.tumblr.com, uh, all one word. Maybe by the time this goes out, I will have written something. That would be nice. All right. That's all until next time when we'll be uh, talking about Academia 400 AF through Academia 4XXAF. That includes uh, both sections of the Augusta Tower. Uh, See you next time. Yep. Ciao. That's all, folks.
This podcast was brought to you by the Pitch Drop Podcast Network. Like what you just heard? Support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pitch drop. And while you're at it, check out pitchdrop.net for more of this and other shows.